So it's good to see all of you again. My name is Nathaniel. I'm on staff here at Grace Point. It's been a couple weeks, but it's felt like years, and it's so good to see your faces. So welcome to Grace Point. We're happy, thrilled that you are here, and happy 2019. Just yesterday feels like it was 2014. Um, I have the privilege of introducing our speaker for today, Reverend John McLean. And first, before I do that, any middle or high school kids? If you are here and you would like to join Grace Point Kids in our middle and high school group section, this is your time, this is your chance. Join Jeff at the door right over here on this side, and he'll be with you. <laughs> All right, Reverend John McLean is the minister at Unity of Nashville, which was formerly the home of Grace Point for a while. Um, he is one of my personal heroes. I have learned and, and gleaned and, and grown in, in a variety of ways just because of his role in my life. I would not be at Grace Point if it wasn't for Reverend John and Unity. Um, they sanctioned where I could live over the summer to be an intern at Grace Point, and they very generously provided space for me to live while I was doing that. Um, and since then, I've actually, I work there now, actually. I'm, I'm a part-time employee there. Um, so I get to share in their office every week on Mondays, and I get to be a part of their community in a unique way. And even just over the summer, being a part of their gatherings on Sundays and running visuals and all that kind of stuff, I got to see what a uh, magnificent place it is, also what magnificent people they are. And a lot of that is owed in part to how they are led and how they are, are pastored and, and shepherded by Reverend John. He's an incredible, incredible human being, exceedingly generous. He's had an enormous impact in my life. He officiated my wedding with my husband. Um, he's an incredible guy. So I'm excited to introduce you, Reverend John McLean. <laughs> Actually, I learned a word yesterday. I was flying back from Florida, and in the in-flight magazine, there was an article about uh, persons of a certain age in a young uh, workplace. And I am Nathaniel's mentor because I get to be mentor in part and intern mostly. And I get to bring fresh eyes to the things that he knows about and I'm always learning new things. So it's a blessing for me as well to be your mentor. Thank you for having me today. Nothing could make me happier than to see this place full. Uh, and I would like to share a few thoughts about the beginning of the year. It's always important for an organization and for an individual to uh, not so much get right with God, but to get right with uh, what it is we are thinking, intending, and acting on so that we will bring clear, positive, intentional energy to everything that we engage with. There was a magnificent human being named Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman. He was of a previous generation. I can see Lee nodding his head. And I encountered the work of Dr. Thurman when I was in graduate school, but so did Dr. Martin Luther King, except Dr. Thurman was actually his mentor at the time at Boston University. And he has done some magnificent writing, uh, established the first intentionally interfaith church in America called the Fellowship of All Peoples in San Francisco, and a remarkable human being. There is a nice piece that he wrote that is getting very mainstreamed now, uh, 60, 70 years after the fact, which I find fascinating. And I got this on a Christmas card uh, from Ron Miller. 
And I thought, ooh, that's what I'm going to talk about. I thought I was going to talk about it at my church, but here I am. So this is called When the Song of the Angels is Stilled. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. The work of Christmas. And so each of us can take this as that uh, this is what is ours to do um, in an intentional community such as this. That this is your outline for activity. It's not a mystery what making ministry is. It is right here. And it's quite simple. It's to do the work that Jesus actually did when he was leading by example during the years that he ministered. He worked, as do all of us in this context, to find the loss, to make a welcome space for all people, to heal the broken as best we can, to feed the hungry, for there are people that are hungry, and for those of you that work with Room in the Inn, which was the great gift of my affiliation, with Grace Point is to begin that work and to actually provide shelter and food for those without. It's wonderful work. To release the prisoner, how many of us are praying for those who are prisoners. To rebuild nations. How we do that is we do that intentionally in community like this and to make music in the heart well you get to do that as a group and we all do that individually but in my tradition what we do is we take something like this which is scriptural and we add an extra layer to that and we ask I ask myself this question that's why I saved this because it's going to be in front of me every day all year long is that my work to do is to be aware of when I am lost. Because the work has to start with me first. Unless I undertake this work for myself, I really don't have that much to share. I know it's an old-fashioned metaphor, but I was on a plane yesterday, and you do see that. Put your oxygen mask on first. If there's disturbance, make sure your own needs are taken care of first and only then can you be of assistance to somebody else who may be in distress. So I take this work personally and individually to find the lost. How do I get lost? I get lost when I forget what is mine to do. I get lost when I get so busy, this is church talk, in the details of running my own church that I forget the most important thing for me to do is to know your name. What's your name? Hi, Jana. Happy New Year. That's the most important thing for me to do. 
It's not to worry about the permits, and it's not to worry about the landscaping issues, even though, as Kathy would tell you, landscaping is really important. <laughs> it's to know your name and to call your name when I see you so that the animal of me will know that I am seen and I am recognized as an individual on this planet to heal the broken. Well, I'm lucky that I'm standing here on my own two feet. But sometimes it feels like I am broken or I am disenfranchised. That I'm not able to meet the needs of my own life. How could that possibly be if I can't meet the needs of my own life? Nobody else could. It is up to me to figure out how to do that, and I can. But sometimes we get deep in that, right? And we start looking outside for somebody else to handle it for us, and yet they don't even know we have an issue because it's not their business, it's not their life. But if I start doing that, the great danger in looking at other people or assuming that you're going to pick up after me is that I'm going to have a resentment about what you're not doing for me, but that's a fantasy that I have. My image of reality is broken. I'm not, but my image of reality is broken in that moment. And so that's a call to mindfulness to take everything where I may be feeling at odds with something. It is a call from, to mindfulness for me to remember that this is my life these are my choices, and my life, my success is my responsibility. And yes, I can do it. I can handle it. The work of Christmas is to feed the hungry. There was a time in my life when I was really hungry. I was hungry for an understanding of God that made sense. And in an understanding of a God that made sense, a whole cosmos that would make sense, and a life that I could live with confidence. I was hungry to find something that I could work with. In fact, I was starving to death. Which goes right into the next one, because I can't separate it to release the prisoner. I was so hungry, I was imprisoned uh, in addiction. That my life, my early life started out just great. Uh, I got to late 20s and my work life blew up in my face like a cartoon cigar. And I thought, this is not supposed to happen to me. Why? Because I'm a nice guy. You know, I didn't hurt anybody. I pay my taxes. How could this happen to me? It's just life. It wasn't personal. But I took it as a personal a front. And I was uh, medicating with unhelpful substances for several years. And the wake-up call that, I don't know if I've actually told this story in these terms, so thank you for allowing me this opportunity. But I was hungry for the truth I had become imprisoned in my own unskilled 
behavior. And then being the generation that I am, my friends started dying of AIDS. And I assumed that I had about a year to live. And I remember I was tending bar at that time, very happily tending bar at that time. And uh, I thought, I remember turning around once, and you know how many bars have a mirror in, in the back? And I saw my reflection, and I thought, I am not going to die behind this bar. And I am going to run the race, fight the good fight, and keep the faith. And I don't know why, I will never know why those words came to me, but they did come to me in exactly that term. And that's when I began a spiritual search. And it was the most, yeah, it was the most exciting time in my life. This was 1985. To go over all the spiritual wisdom that was available now at that time and to be in a community of other people that were also in a similar situation. To be involved in a spiritual search in a community was one of the great experiences of my whole life. And there is nothing else like it. There is no substitute for it. It only happens in real time with real bodies and real people who are all moving wherever we are, wherever we start, it doesn't matter, but we are moving together in a similar direction each of us going to higher ground, if you will. It is the privilege of a lifetime to be an intentional community. I found that my hunger was satisfied. I found that I, as a prisoner, was released and have been for 35 years in March. And I also have found, which will always be my testimony, that whatever it takes to get your life right is worth it. And getting serenity, again, at any price, is getting it cheap. Whatever it costs, it's getting it cheap. And then on to rebuild nations. How would I be rebuilding a nation? Uh, I would take that personally. I would use that as a metaphor for my vision of life, for all of life. What it is I hope to contribute to for the rest of my life. How I'm going to be. How I'm going to relate to you how I'm going to exchange with people that I do not know, but how I will be in this place. As if what I did really made a difference. Because it does. How each one of us shows up makes an incredible difference for everybody. Even Dr. King, there's the quote, there's so many teachings of his, I don't like to say quotes, there's so many teachings of his 
which are so rich. But he said that we are woven together in a garment of mutuality. Whatever affects one direct, directly affects all indirectly. So however it is I show up, wherever I am, always most challenging at Walmart, however <laughs> I show up makes a huge difference to everyone in that environment. And that is my nation. The work of Christmas begins as I make an attempt to bring peace among others. Well, it's not my job to be brokering deals with anybody, but to contribute to peace among others is a spiritual practice for me to continually stay in an awareness of me making judgments about you or who I think you need to be and then finding that that is inappropriate for me to have any demand on anybody and then to spend my time withdrawing that projection. I assume some of you know the serenity prayer. Uh, in the context of this, it's a perfectly good thing to use. God grant me, grant me the serenity to accept those things I cannot change. That is all y'all and the courage to change the things I can, and that would be me and the wisdom to know the difference the wisdom to be awake enough to realize that I am trying to change all y'all every minute of my experience. My church on Christmas Eve, I wanted it to look a certain way. We had blue lights. I didn't want people to be messing with everything. And our church mother came up to me and she said, you know, I know you're a total, this is Maxine, I know you're a total control freak and you want it your way tonight, but it ain't going to happen. Relax. <laughs> I have to learn that all the time. All the time. And the work of Christmas begins when I am willing to make music in the heart. Well, I cannot live without music around me all the time. Literal music. I require that it be in my environment all the time. And so that's an easy one for me. But to make music in the heart as a spiritual injunction is also a call to mindfulness. For me to remember that I'm in this with you and my being a presence for harmony is what my part is is to make sure that I'm willing to be that and to do that. And as much as I do want to lead everything, I cannot. So some sense of harmony is always a part of a powerful spiritual practice. Now, as I look at this, it's kind of interesting because it does you know, reflect back to the gospel when the song of the angels is stilled and when the star in the sky is gone, and when the kings and princes are home, 
when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. And I wonder why he chose to call that the work of Christmas. So what is there in particular about Christmas that leads me to find the loss and to heal the brother? Well, for me, actual Christmas itself is a remembrance for me that the gift has already been given. Even though you may forget or I may forget month by month, week by week, or even hour by hour, it will still always have been a fact that the gift has been given. And the gift, again for me, is uh, maybe we'll call it the light. You know, in Benjamin Franklin's religion, he was of the Quaker faith, they referred to the divine as the light and that it indwelled all human beings. And that Christ light, that Christ consciousness, that Christ possibility, that Christ potential is the gift that has been given and it is there for each of us all the time. So I never have to reach outside of myself when feeling lost, when feeling broken, when in need of healing, peace, harmony, or a new vision for life, it is there in me as it is in you. If we can only remember that. And that's why we gather, yes? That's why we have experiences like this. To remind each other about that which our life is devoted to, to be there in support of each other. At my place, we always say a fellowship happens when we encourage each other on our journeys. So I'll ask you, what are you working on and how can I support you in prayer? Because that's the best possible thing I can do for you is to know that that light is equally available in all people everywhere so that it might come into full expression in your life. And that we would remember that it's there, that it's a resource that's always accessible and it's utterly reliable and will never disappoint. The gift has been given. You know, uh, Franklin also said that uh, America's unique destiny was not one of power but one of light. And of course, being a Quaker, he might say that kind of thing. And he is my founding father of preference. You get that. But America's destiny is not one of power, but one of light. How can you, how can me, and as a great speech and um, a member of the wedding, the we of me, which is now Grace Point. How does this we of me be the light here in Nashville? 
having uh, sat with Grace Point for a little more over than a year uh, in my life, I'm not uh, being silly, I am prone to exaggeration, but I'm thrilled to see the number of people here. And I know that probably half the people are still on vacation because I saw them in the airport in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Don't get me started. How is this intentional community going to be the light in Nashville? Because you have that possibility. Every single person does. And as a group, as the we of me, y'all have the possibility of being an absolutely unique offering in this community to do a work unlike anybody else could imagine doing is what you're going to be doing. And to be in on the ground floor is really sweet. It is a very exciting moment in somebody's life. I think maybe I'm stepping outside of my bounds right now. I don't care. I shouldn't be talking about your work. But it's very exciting to be part of a group that is claiming a vision and working towards it. And I do know that you have a unique vision. And I know you have wonderful, extraordinary, unique people here that I got to meet previously, and I don't know all of you. But there is so much work that can be done. I won't say need to be done. Because if I said it needs to be done, then I'm trying to be the boss of everything, and I'm only going to get disappointed and bitter. And I can't afford to be bitter. But when I look at the perennial needs of human beings and of any society, there will always be people who are literally lost and figuratively lost and times in our lives. And there will always be those who are hungry in need of healing, entitled to release, and to be a radiating center of peace and decency at a very challenging time to the notion of decency. I know that this church stands for that. And somebody's got to. It matters to the young people. Doesn't matter so much to me. But for people that are in the way back right now, who are hearing things and seeing things that are less than admirable, we owe them better. Maya Angelou was the one who said, when people know better, they do better. Well, we know better, and we need to do better. I haven't thought of this in a long time. But there can be a couple of hallmarks that would make an average community really stand out. And in this particular church, 
you have a spirituality and you have leadership that understands that, we, you know, there's nothing mysterious or arcane about these kind of injunctions. Feed the hungry. You don't have to say a million rosaries or do elaborate practices to be right on task, to do what's needed, and that's common sense. To meet the need is just common sense. And if our, if our churches, our communities can really allow ourselves to please adopt common sense and while we're at it, common courtesy which we now call inclusivity and then diversity. This is common courtesy and common sense. Of course this is a diverse world. Of course it's an abundant world. And you have an ice maker. (laughs) Did I say it was a bartender? Can I get anyone a beverage while I'm up? an automatic trigger and to make common cause with each other and with other organizations in the city that are seeking to meet the same need and to not isolate ourselves so much and think that we're special I mean this was really important to me And this is why we had the affiliation with Grace Point, because I kind of put the word on the street that I wanted to share our space with somebody who needed it at the moment. I want to know the people that are working to make this a decent, safe, welcoming world. And I can't do the whole world, but I can do my zip code. And so that's where I start. So I'm going to invite you, maybe we'll do a meditation. Should we do that now? A little music, do we do that in this church? Would you mind support a little bit underneath? I'll invite you uh, if you like. Perfect, thank you, you've got the cue. Put anything in your hand aside. And most importantly, if you have um, anything burdensome on your heart, I'm going to ask you to lay that aside as well and ultimately to lay that at the foot of the Godhead so that energy might be transformed into a blessing somewhere else. But right where we are, right where you are, in the seat where you are right now, or where you are in life, at this stage of life. We're all in different places. But it's the beginning of the year for all of us. To know that at long last you are perfect as you are and you're whole and you're complete because the gift has been given and Christmas helps us remember that 
and therefore you're equipped. However you imagine that to be, you are, you are equipped for the unfolding journey that's your life. And as you claim ideas, goals, aspirations, or grand visions, do it with love. Do it with a sense of surety that if there is this desire on your heart, and if it serves your health and wholeness and doesn't diminish the experience of another, then it's spirit asking to be made manifest in this world as your life. So let it out. If you call that the light, let your light shine. Do a inventory, if you will. Was there a time in the past year when you felt lost? Was there a time in the last year you were in need of healing in your body or your spirit or your heart? Is there a part of you that hungers still? And can you check to see if you are hungry for the right thing, for the right reason? Hungry to experience greater and more so that your energies and your skills will be called upon so that your mind will be expanded as well as your capacity to create and to heal and to bless. Is there any part of you that feels a prisoner? Maybe in a job, maybe in a relationship, 
maybe even being held hostage to resentments of things long past. And what is your part in the rebuilding of nations? What is yours to do as you consider the vision of your life or the vision of this church? What is yours to do? Can you dedicate this year to promoting peace among others? Not to get up in anybody else's business. But how will you show up? music in the heart. Will you sing your song and dance your dance and make your own kind of music? Please do. The work of Christmas is not burdensome. It is simple, but maybe not easy. But it is ongoing. with the commitment to be the light. Be a radiating center of God light. As we keep that commitment
we know that all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. And together the people said, Amen. Thank you. Can we thank Reverend John? Thank you. Thank you.